Welcome to the FPL USA Press Play Podcast. Your hosts, Brian, Bucks, and Dan, aka Black Wolf, are all on the mic. We're here to bring you our ultimate playbook on how best to win your mini leagues and dominate this season of FPL. This episode, we are going to be diving in to cover all the best FPL forward options. Who are going to be the closest and best picks for your FPL team? If they are the closest to goal, they get the least points per goal scored, but we're expecting big things from these fellas. That's right. I'm super excited to pod with you boys today. This is the third positional preview in our series before the preseason. So we've already done keepers and defenders. We did midfielder mania, and now we're looking forward to the essential guys up top to lead us to FPL victory. So without further ado, let's jump into it. Let's start with the premiums, and then we'll work our way down from there. And that starts with one Erling Holland. If you're a serious manager, I would say 90% ownership to start the season. He might be higher than that. This uh, He's trending to be the first 100% owned player ever in the FPL game right now. We saw a huge price increase from $12.5 million last season, where he's now at $14 million, $1.5 million increase. And yet he's almost owned by 90% of the game. He's the one player that I think we can all agree is both premium and essential going into this season of FPL. The majority of managers are going to have him in their squad game week one, which says to me that they've possibly underpriced him. I know a lot of people were happy with 14 million, but I would have loved to have seen him 15, 16 million to really make you think, do I want this guy in my team? We had our back and forths about that. Uh, that was that was my take. I thought he would have even been disowned at 15 million. But Brian, who's a veteran, uh, more experience in the FPL universe than I have for sure, and just a little less than you have, uh, informed me that 14 million was actually the highest ever. So I think he's. There's been a story of slumps, like Thierry Henry and I think uh, Van Persie both had disappointing seasons when they were 14 million. But I think the Norwegian robot himself is going to change that. He's he's going to score another 30-goal campaign. I don't think any of us are expecting a sophomore slump for Holland, especially being part of this Manchester City machine. 36 goals, 9 assists, 40 bonus points last season for 272 total FPL points. With that being said, I think the last 25% of the season, due to the fixture pileup for City as they were going for the treble, really had him be a player that you could go against and maybe fade and captain a different player. So looking forward to taking those learnings from last season and applying them again this season if City are going to be in the same exact position. Uh, Because with the Champions League obviously being a priority once again and all the other cup competitions that they're in, maybe he gets rotated a tiny bit more and Julian Alvarez plays more up top as the number nine. But to start the season... He's got, to, he's got to be in your FPL squad. There's no point in fading the highest point potential player who could hat-trick against any team in the Premier League and therefore number one captaincy option nearly every week. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that point of the season last season when you had to pick players other than him to captain. And I would love to get to the point again this season where you have that decision to make because the, the gains are there if you get it right. But obviously, if you get it wrong, it's your season over. So the reward is there if you're willing to go for it. But we all agree that 
game week one versus Burnley, a newly promoted side, is not the time to take that risk. And I think consensus consensus is there between the three hosts that we will all be on Erling Holland captain in game week one. Is that correct? Absolutely. I mean, just to add there two bucks, like a lot of managers are fearing not having Salah in game week two when Manchester City plays Newcastle at home. I think that's a fine fixture, honestly. Like Newcastle over the last 15 games of the season, last season we're giving up one to three goals in a number of matches. So I don't think it's as tough of a fixture as it would have been, say, in the first half of last season. So I think he's still a great captaincy option. Um, And then if you own Trent for game week two, you could possibly captain him versus Bournemouth if a lot of other managers go with Salah. So I I still think that he's great no matter what game week it is, and especially playing in front of the home side. Let's just shout it out before we get any more forwards in. What's our prediction? Is Holland going to be the top scorer in game week one, or is there someone else that you're eyeing could pip him for that spot? I think it's the first game of the season. It's going to be someone completely random getting a 12-point haul. Probably someone at Luton for all we know. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I mean, being, <laughs> I like being the shot. top scorer, being the top scorer in any given game week isn't isn't that important. Quite frankly, it's what is the the floor for this player, especially for captaincy, right? We see all these random players that make the kings of the game week squad, but it's really looking at the core players across the FPL game that are highly owned, who has the highest floor and hopefully ceiling. And Holland ticks all those boxes for game week one. So uh, I think he's a he's a fantastic option for sure. Okay, let's start the podcast here because I think our next player that we bring up is going to start the real discussion and some disagreement about his importance. And that's another premium player, player who only was short of Holland's amazing run last season in FPL by nine points, which is basically one game. And that's Harold Kane, the great England international, the captain of the three Lions and kind of the steady hand at Spurs right now. He comes in at 12.5 million, which is notable, as we mentioned on the Midfielder Mania podcast, because it's the same price as Mo Salah. I think that is a very interesting pricing from FPL Towers. Yeah, I think they've got the pricing right on this one. But however, his ownership is going to be very low to start with. So if if you're looking for a differential, he's one to go for. The, The worry for me is the uncertainty about Tottenham as a team and whether he's going to even stay at them. But if, if you're willing to go there, I've, I've seen no drafts with Kane, or, Kane and Haaland. I don't know about you guys. Well, that's a nightmare scenario for managers who might start with him in their side and then two game weeks later, he heads right. to Bayern, which again, I don't think is going to happen. And quite frankly, I would feel quite sad for the Premier League to lose one of the top English players ever and have him go to the, the Farmers League out in, in the German fields. So hopefully he will stay at Spurs and, and continue to be relevant as he chases a lot of personal accolades. It could be an interesting season for Spurs with their new manager and just a more upbeat situation uh, there. So you'd be royally effed if you if you did start with him, though, and then he left because that would cost you two transfers to take him out and then bring in Salah, perhaps, or make a big swap. So I don't. I won't be starting with him to start the season, but I am excited to see if the Spurs attack in this new style. Whoa, that's actually breaking news on the podcast because I think I was of the mind that Brian, you were going to double up in attack with both Holland and Kane 
I think we've even texted about that offline. So uh, that's big news. And I think that's informed by, I think, Dan and Brian, you both alluded to what's going on in the news. Spurs leadership, specifically the chairman and the president of the club, have all stated that it's high time for Kane to renew on a new longer term contract or it's time for him to go so that they can profit off his sale. He has one year left on his contract. And he's coming off a record-setting season. He had 30 goals and nine assists. He was the highest bonus points getter. I thought that was really interesting. When you look at Holland's stats, yes, he had better figures straight up. But Kane was arguably the most essential player to his team in the league. I think City could have won the league without Holland in the squad. I don't think Spurs would even be a top-half club without Harry Kane at the top and at the helm. Next up, let's go into the bracket, which is four and a half million pounds less. So this is a weird season where we don't have any options between eight million pounds and twelve and a half. It just shows you the state of where forwards are at this point in time and where a lot of formations preseason are trending towards playing five across the middle and only two up front because we're going to wait and see and get some data points on who those third strikers could be in our sides and who will emerge. But with that being said, there's some leaders in the clubhouse and let's start with Gabby Jesus at Arsenal. He's fit. He's playing the number nine and we're expecting Arsenal to score a lot of goals this season. He only had 11 goals and seven assists, but still had 125 points last season in 24 starts. So I think that's the, the more important thing to look at. You know, when we talk about his expected goal involvement per 90, uh, he's about 0.9. So he's very involved when he plays, but I do kind of worry that he'll get more assists than he will goals to make him a valuable FPL asset, especially when we look at captaincy. So how do you guys project Gabby Jesus for next season? Yeah, so the thing about Jesus is he's clearly an exceptionally good player. He fits very well into the Arsenal team, but his finishing is so poor. He's a really frustrating asset to own. Like you said, he gets all of the XG, all of the XGI, but his returns are not great for the amount of chances he gets. However, just to go back to Kane a little bit, another point against Kane and for someone like Gabriel Jesus is team structure, something we talk about quite a lot here. Because if you're putting all of your money into the forwards positions and one of them doesn't quite work out, you have to take kind of like a mini wildcard to redistribute those funds into your midfield. Whereas if you start with one of these 8 million, 7.5 million guys, it's very easy just to switch them to another one and keep your funds in midfield. So that's why people are looking at the likes of Gabriel Jesus to start with. He's on an exceptionally good Arsenal team who we expect to be good again. So I, I like him as an option. He's currently in my draft, but you know, I'm, my head's being turned by a couple of other assets we're going to talk about. That's a great shout, Dan, and uh, that's really important for you newer FPL managers to hear from the legend himself, Blackwell, give you that advanced meta play because every move that you make over the one free transfer is essentially a minus four. And for these forwards, that's basically scoring a goal because uh, four points for goals from the forward. So this is really important information. And especially because Kane has some worry around whether he will be at Spurs this season, Gabby Jesus, he's locked into the side. And I think he's nailed on starting. He fits so well in the Arsenal structure. Having said that, 
My hot take is that he's the most overrated option in the FPL forward selection bracket. Uh, the fact that he doesn't score a lot of goals, he's not a clinical finisher, and his first instinct is always to play for a teammate, not for himself, makes him a cross-off for me. I'm I'm looking at an Arsenal triple-up elsewhere. Gabriel Jesus is not making the cut for my Game Week 1 team, and right now he's 33% owned. So I think this is a little bit of a spicy take to put out there. Uh, I don't think he's one of the best four options for Arsenal FPL. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Bucks. He has not made any of my drafts. I am looking for an Arsenal trip up in the midfield and defense instead. I think it's just a convenient slot, like Dan mentioned, to have in your side. So if you can have an eight million pound striker, maybe even seven and a half pound striker in your side, you'll be able to chop and change when the players get hot. But right now, I just think there's too much kind of involvement in the buildup that leads to assisting the assister or uh, maybe not bagging in the goals as confidently as we would like for FPL. Dan, I see him as the safe option. Can you explain what has Jesus in your team right now? Is it more of the shield mentality with 33% of managers having him as well? What's, what's the reason that he's, he's in your initial drafts? It is admittedly partly the shield of the fact he's 33% owned, but also like I said, he he did have very high XGI. And I think, I guess I'm expecting him to turn that around at some point, even though he's consistently every season not done that. I just feel like maybe this season's the season with the fixtures they're starting with. Like Gabriel Jesus at home to the likes of Nottingham Forest, game week one. I think that's a fantastic fixture for him. And at 33% owned, I wouldn't want to bet against him. Interesting. Okay, let's keep it moving. Let's go to the FPL Blues podcast, one of our favorite players to shout out. That's Ollie Junkyard Dog Watkins, the man that leads the line for Villa. And I think Villa are going to be one of those teams where you're either in from the beginning on or you are fading from the start because they have choppy fixtures. But this is a team that showed their true colors at the back half of last season. You know, Brian, you referenced Newcastle really fell off a cliff. Well, when Unai Emery came and took over for Steven Gerrard, the villains were a squad transformed. It was like they had the Joker come in to be uh, leading their heists and their illegal illicit activities versus having, you know, like my my daughter, the four-year-old, uh, in charge of all the game planning. So I think they really leveled up and I'm expecting big things from them. I actually think that Ollie Watkins is going to outscore Gabby Jesus in the first five game weeks of the FPL season. He's not my choice, but he's on my radar for sure. 14% owned. I really, I, I rate Watkins and he's hot right now in preseason. Hot, hot, wasabi hot. I think Unai Emery has done a fantastic job, obviously got them into Europe. So I'm curious to see how they progress through the season. I think there will be hot stretches for Watkins, but as he is, going to be asked to play even more minutes in European football. They don't really have a backup number nine either. I'm a little bit worried about how that will affect his play. Again, he's great on the press. He has a great motor, but with European football for the first time in his career, we'll see how that affects him and affects his finishing because we've seen him go up and down like a roller coaster over the last couple of seasons, obviously hit some strides and, um, but then we've also seen him plummet down. So I think um, ultimately it, it just depends on how you rank and assess 
Villa as a squad this season? Do you still think they're going to be top seven or you think they're going to fall a little bit behind with European commitments? So I think that's one who's firmly on my watch list as a wait and see. And that's also backed up by the fact that he doesn't have the best fixtures to start the season. Yeah, I'm also a fan of Watkins and it's worth pointing out that he's also on penalties for Aston Villa. Thielman's is coming into the squad and is That's true. fairly good penalty taker. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't see him taking it away from Watkins because Unai Emery will want to instill confidence. But if he were to miss two penalties, I mean, there there's definitely a scenario where he loses them, but has them until he loses them at this point. That would only happen if he was in Brian's team because Brian is a noted jinx when it comes to penalty kick takers. Oh my goodness. That's one of my worst attributes as an FPL manager. The the jinxie on the <laughs> on the uh, penalties. Man, do I have that lemon booty? I got that that tight sphincter sometimes when uh those guys go up to take pens and all of a sudden I end up with minus twos instead of uh nine point hauls for my forwards. I mean and I hate to say it also as a Wolves fan because it pains me to say so, but Aston Villa are gonna be a very good team this season, I feel. I'm kind of jealous of where they've got to with Unai Emery, because I, I feel like Wolves and Aston Villa were kind of similar teams a couple of years ago, and now they're, now they're way ahead of Wolves. So there's a lot of jealousy on my part there. But they're going to be good, I feel. I agree. I'm, I'm very big on expectations for Villa this season. I think they're going to comfortably finish in the top half of the table and be maybe even pushing Brighton, who I expect maybe to take a half step back. I think that Villa could end up sixth or fifth this season uh, if everything goes to plan. And I really like some of the moves that they made. They brought in this Diaby guy who's going to take uh, it's going to take Bailey out of the starting rotation. He's a very exciting winger from the Bundesliga. They brought in Pau Torres, who has experience playing under Unai Emery as a left-footed center back. I think that's really important depth and makes the entire defense more appealing for Villa. And yeah, I just think they're spending pragmatically and they're improving pragmatically. So I think we're going to see big things from them and therefore also Ollie Watkins. I think he has a chance to beat the 175 FPL points that he had last season. He had 15 goals and eight assists. I think like 13 of them were with Emery in charge. So I think this could be a very niche and popular transfer a couple of game weeks into the season when we realized that Actually, Ollie Watkins was the dude in this in this grouping. Yeah, and you rate him to say fit, unlike the next lad we're going to talk about, who is Callum the Truth Wilson. He's also in that eight million pound bracket, and man, he saved Bucks's bacon last season. And yeah, let's just get him. that over and done with right now. I think I feel like Bucks is going to brag about this. So oh, let's yeah. just get that it over his, with. That was his. his <laughs> uh, this is my guy. Season last this year, is my guy. The grand yeah. moment for Bucks. Yeah, captaincy uh, going Wilson over Isak in their double game week was one of the moments of my FPL career, let alone my season last year. I mean, I just think that he's so exciting when he plays that he's more tantalizing than the guys we mentioned even beforehand. So he ended up with 18 goals and six assists. And on a per match, on a per start basis, he was the highest behind Kane and Holland over five points. He's the only other forward that got in the fives. So when he starts, which is a big qualifier, he scores. And I think this Newcastle team making a lot of exciting additions on the wing, which could hurt minutes for Isak. But as long as Callum is fit, he's going to be first choice. And he has penalty kicks, which I know we want to be shouting out. 
What do you think, Dan? You rate it? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about Wilson. If he, if he had the minutes and the fitness of Ollie Watkins, he'd probably be a lock in my team. He's he's so good. His finishing Agreed. is amazing. But like you said, he just he's gets injured so often. He's rotated because of his injury history. They now have the um, Champions League to worry about. So I feel like his rotation is going to happen even more. Um, they've signed some good wingers, which means Isaac is more likely to come into the middle more often. So that's why I'm put off him. But if none of those things were in for a problem, he'd be definitely in my team. He's so good. Yeah, I think the 10% ownership is like a total shock. He should be way higher owned. He's going to come into this season fit. And that's that's when you want to have Callum Wilson. You want to have him when he's healthy. When uh, when he's had five games in three weeks and, you know, he's starting to be leggy and have that hamstring problem. That's the time you want to sell him. But when he's fit, fuck yeah, give me the goals, baby. All right, let's talk about the next bracket, which is the coveted 7.5 million pound bracket. And we, we really want one of these guys to emerge between Darwin, Gakpo, and Nkunku. So out of those three players, Bucks, I know you and I have been talking about the new Chelsea lad. We're hoping that he can really develop in our system under Poch. What are your thoughts between these three 7.5 forwards? Who's the best pick of the lot? All right, so I'm going to give you a convoluted answer. The most explosive is Darwin Nunez. He already has three goals and one assist in preseason. He's, I co-signed that. He's hit the goal on 100% of his shots. I didn't think we'd ever hear a stat like that from Darwin Nunez. Famously poor finisher a la Timo Werner. So he's five for five on shots being on target, and three of them are goals. So he's playing really explosive and syncing up really nicely alongside Mo Salah so far in preseason. So he's my choice if you are just punting and you want to gain rank and you want to go highest upside. I think he is that guy. However, I think Nkunku is going to have the most points out of this group. And that's based on what I'm projecting for him fitting into this Chelsea team. He's a true star and he has that elite goal scoring pedigree. He scored 20 goals in two seasons ago. And last season he had 16 goals. He was joint top scorer in the Bundesliga coming back from injury on less minutes than the guy he was tied with. So this guy has a real nose for goal. He already has two goals in preseason in two matches for Chelsea. And I'm expecting he's going to be a fan favorite. He's going to be a potch favorite, and he's probably going to be on PKs. So with all that being said, and the easy fixtures to start out for Chelsea, He's likely the guy that I'm going to go with sub 20% ownership, but I think that's going to change. I think he's going to be closer to Gabby Jesus level numbers at the start of the season in three weeks time. Yeah, I also agree with you there, Bucks, just because of the minutes and rotation risk that the front line for Liverpool seem to be in. I think that's what would put me off. Ultimately, I think out of those three players, Darwin's the one with hat trick potential. So if we were just punting for one week and we needed to uh, make up a lot of ground, he would be my guy. But until there's an injury in the Liverpool front line, I'm, I'm very put off by all those. Uh, there's too many cooks in the kitchen there. Too many cooks. And that's the problem when you have Jota, Diaz, Gakpo, Darwin. I, I just don't like it, right? You, you don't want to sweat going into every single match 
to understand if your guy is going to start or not on top of your ownership of Manchester City players who are also going to bring that same kind of feeling each um, game week deadline. So I'm going to I'm going to swerve those guys. And uh, I, I do I do like uh, the look of Nkunku, though. Yeah, I don't have much to add. I agree with everything that you guys said. I'm actually liking the look of Nkunku, too. If I was to swerve Gabriel Jesus, he would probably be the one I go for, for all of the reasons you said. I did like the look of um, Jackson as well for Chelsea preseason. Um, I'm not a Chelsea fan, so I don't know how he's going to impact Nkunku. Like, are they going to rotate or play together? I don't know. But that's just something I'm keeping my eye on. Yeah, Jackson's at 7 million. And uh, he's having even stronger preseason than Nkunku. He has two goals and three assists in those two games. I think he was the best player on the pitch for Chelsea in their match against Brighton. When he came on, he was. He had a goal and two assists almost instantaneously. It was amazing. Yeah, and I think the bandwagon for FPL managers to jump on Chelsea will start game week three when they play Luton at home, then they play NFO at home, and then Bournemouth away. So you could be possibly ahead of the curve there if you start with a Chelsea forward whereas other managers are going to look to bring them in when those fixtures turn. One quick thing, you know, the reason a lot of people are holding off bringing Chelsea lads in is because of that opening fixture against Liverpool, which is at home, it's at Stamford Bridge. Liverpool defense has looked just as shaky in preseason as it had all of last season. I am no longer completely scared off of that game. I think I'm going to have at least two Chelsea players in my FPL teams. And I'm going to have a serious think about starting both of them. I think Nkunku could score a goal. I think Chelsea could score multiple goals in that game. And I think it's going to be a contest where it's tight. But their Pochettino's style is so direct that I think we're going to see instantaneous benefit from an attacking perspective for Chelsea players. So I agree with you, Brian and Dan. I think the bandwagon, it might be too late game week three. You might be too safe and missed... 14 FPL points. I mean, I mean, calm, calm down too late and game week three. You got 35 game weeks to go after that, my friend. I'm so just let's, saying let's from not be Nkunku, too hyperbolic. <laughs> Nkunku, I think is going to score. I think he's going to score at least one goal in those first two matches. I wouldn't be surprised if he had two returns in those two first games. He just seems like he is the opposite of Gabby Jesus. He's a very clinical finisher, great nose for goal. And he's proven that he can do it in bunches. And I, I really rate that. Yeah, I mean, I do see your point that there's gains to be made there if you go on these guys early and don't just wait for everyone else to jump on them. If you really feel like the likes of Nkunku and Ben Chilwell in defense, who's someone I've got my eye on, are going to perform in those first couple of games, go for them. Why not? One last thing, we should touch on the man who's missing in our rundown, which is Mitrovic. Alexander Mitrovic is currently priced at $7.5 million. The reason we're not giving him airtime or more so than this uh, quick monologue is because he's seriously rumored to be leaving Fulham. He hasn't traveled with them and there are serious reports of a big money move to Saudi Arabia. So with that, I think he is a total stay away right now. 5% of the FPL game has him in their side. Five percenters, please get off that bandwagon, get him out of your team, bring someone else in while it's still a free transfer. Yeah, he's leaving for sure because they've just signed Raul Jimenez from Wolves as well. So we can talk about him in a little while. I'd like to talk about him. Oh my God, I'm crying over here for you, Dan. I'm so sorry. Sentimentally, I'm sad, but it's the right move for him. It's the right move for Wolves. 
but it's just something we can talk about because he's 5.5 million. So we can discuss him later. All right. I love it. All right. So let's move on to the next bracket, which includes a lot of question marks. I'll be honest. Some of these players in the 6 to 6.5 pound bracket could bang, but I think they're all wait and see. So let's talk about A1E, Julian Alvarez, Solanke, DCL, Evan Ferguson, and Wissa. Where do you want to start off here, Bucks? Who's your guy out of this bracket? Julian Alvarez is the one that jumps off the page from a potential. He's just eye-catching. When KDB didn't play last season, Alvarez was often the guy who benefited mostly from that. And as we all know, KDB is still recovering from a hamstring injury sustained in UCL and then made worse and re-injured in the UCL final. Last season, in limited minutes, he only played 1,500 minutes. He had nine goals and three assists for over 100 FPL points. I think he only had 13 starts. So he basically averaged a goal return every start, which is absurd. I mean, the fact that he's not even 25 and is scoring for the best offense in the league, in the best league in the world, already won a World Cup at that age. He's a really bright talent. It's just, it's too nervy to go him and Holland both up top because as Dan referenced before, you know, Black Wolf is the veteran among us. So he, he preaches with wisdom that makes a very tough formation to match and then be flexible around because you'd have two city guys. And the reality is they're both competing for that kind of number nine role. So I really like him if we find out that he's going to be more nailed for minutes only 2.5% owned. So he could be like the ultimate differential to start the season. Yeah, I think they messed up this price. Quite frankly, I thought he should have been 7.5 because there's a world where if Holland does go down with an injury at any point, he's going to be in everybody's team, right? And so he'll be playing up top as a number nine when Holland's not on the field. Now that Mares has left the squad, he should be the second penalty taker if Holland's on the field. So there are a lot of things going his direction, but not a punt for me. Uh, again, we want to try and stabilize our expected minutes at the beginning of the season, take in some data, and then track him as the season progresses. I agree. And it's also worth saying that he replaced Kevin De Bruyne when Kevin De Bruyne was out injured last season. He played more of a midfield role. So with us expecting Kevin De Bruyne to get less minutes this season, maybe we see Alvarez's minutes increase in that position which is not it's great because it's it's then all of a sudden he's playing out of position midfielder but listed as a forward so i i you know that that doesn't uh really bode well i don't i don't see him as like the creative engine right i think foden would be better suited in that kind of role to replace kdb but yeah i mean obviously if he's on the pitch for city he's going to have a, a lot of chances for goals so it's just a minutes thing really agree like I agree like you said if, if harland is injured then alvarez straight in our teams yeah, I mean, he's so he's so quality. He would start on 17 other Premier League sides, you know, right now at the raw age of 22 or whatever he is. So uh, definitely a lot of respect there, but it just doesn't quite fit into FPL at the moment. Yeah, I, I kind of disagree with what you said about the KDB replacement like for like comment, because when I was watching him, he kind of slotted in more as like the second striker. They just changed the formation a little bit. And Gundogan was actually the one that pressed up into more of that advanced creative midfielder role as the kind of a number 10 for city when KDB was out injured. 
Notably, Gundogan is also gone. He's off to Barcelona. I just think we're going to see more of Alvarez. And he didn't play that many minutes less than Phil Foden, which I, when I was doing the prep for these podcasts, kind of shocked me. He's been with the team for much less time than Foden has, despite being around the same age. And yet he was instantly really trusted by Pep. And when he came in, he never went on and then came off, which is something that can drive experienced FPL managers berserk with Phil Foden. You know, he'll be trusted. He'll get the start. 58 minutes in, he gets the hook. So we didn't really see that with Alvarez. So I think he could be a really interesting FPL option this season. All right, let's transition to my favorite pick here in this bracket, which is Wissa, who is currently my second forward in my current draft right now. Believe it or not, he is 6 million. What the fuck? That's right. That's right. Breaking news at the moment. He played 1,250 minutes last season and tallied up seven goals and two assists. He just seems like a bargain in the starting forward position, especially if you want to just guarantee those minutes for the first couple games. So he's somebody that I'm definitely considering and would be nice to have a little piece of the attack when we're looking at Brentford and the Bees. I like it. We've seen a lot of people going for Mbuma in that midfield position. But if you want a piece of the Brentford attack and you don't want to take up a midfield spot because there's so many great options, then Wiesa is a is a good option. I, I quite like it. I don't think he's going to be in my team, but I've definitely considered it and I'm I'm not against anyone putting him in. Just one word on Wissa as the leading Wissa fan club member here in the States. He will not be making my team. I just he doesn't have penalty kicks. I'm not sure what Brentford is going to look like. And I'm actually spooked because there are reports that Brentford are circling around Brennan Johnson, who's currently on Nottingham Forest. If he comes in, he's listed as a midfielder, notably at 6 million. But I think he would take Wissa's spot. He is a elite finisher and he proved it on Forest last season. And that that circle of doubt and the fact that he doesn't have penalty kicks just has me a little spooked. So I wouldn't go as far as I wouldn't go as far as to say he's an elite finisher. I think he was quite wasteful, actually. But um, I mean, I I see this as Wissa up top, Brennan Johnson, maybe on the left and Mbumo on the right. Interesting. That that would make more sense. I just think that Wissa could be the the out and out nine for the first half of the season. And this is anybody you pick in this this kind of bracket is not a long term pick. You're just trying to strike oil and hopefully get some FPL points and then maybe moving on to an Nkunku or, you know, another player. But, um, you know, when we look at Evan Ferguson, he's probably one of the most talented players in this price bracket, but I have no idea about his minutes. And that's something we're going to see with Deserby rotating this guy. I mean, he can get a brace almost in any match. He's a big lad. I think he has the potential to really be a big factor in FPL, but I just have no idea how he's going to rotate with Jao Pedro, who just got signed for 30 million pounds and will play some false nine. Jao Pedro also took a penalty kick during the preseason when uh, some of the other guys weren't on the field. So uh, that's the only thing that puts me off of Ferguson, um, big Ferg, young Ferg at the moment. Well, one thing on Pedro, he did draw the penalty. So that's, I think, informed why he took it i think evan ferguson will be the game week one starter but i do agree with what you said brian the fact that they have welbeck and jao pedro means that he's he's going to be having to kill it from the start to be assured minutes and the fact that they have european commitments i mean the fact that he only had 65 fpl points last season i definitely felt watching him and 
being engrossed in a lot of the Brighton fixtures. Once Deserby came in, they were like must watch TV for pure FPL and Premier League entertainment. That was so low. I felt like he had at least a hundred. So that was a that was really shocking to me, actually. The fact that he only had six goals and two assists, that wasn't where I thought the numbers were. I mean, if you're playing under a thousand minutes, that's not too bad, um, quite frankly. But I think that's that's I, the I agree, brain. but I just the vibes around him were much the vibes around him and Brighton were much better last season. And yeah, I just I felt like he was a double digit goal scorer. That's what it felt like. That's not what the stats reflect. Yeah, I mean, Evan Ferguson is a very, very good striker. You can see he's going to be a top quality player in a few years' time. I, I really see that. But like Brian said, there's just way too much rotation in this front line right now for me to consider them. It's probably going to be Danny Welbeck who ends up being the top scorer for them. And no one's going to put him in their team with any <laughs> right sense I mean, of dude, mind. So. <laughs> dude almost hat-tricked in the preseason match versus Chelsea. He was crushing yeah. uh, early on. But he's And then this is the other thing. I think Ferguson might get more starts this season, but I could see him coming off at 57 minutes uh, a lot for a Jao Pedro, depending on how the game is going. You know, yeah. if 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 it's if they're trying to break down a bus, they might put in Welbeck, for example, who is a bigger frame. If they're looking to press, maybe he comes out and Jao Pedro goes in and plays a nine who can be a little bit more nimble on his feet. So uh, the minutes there is is what puts me off. But um, yeah, I think uh, the only other players here again that we mentioned in this bracket are Iwani, who came on really strong at the end of the season, ends up with ten goals and one assist. And then uh, Dom Solanke gets a big price rise from 5.5 to 6.5. This one's unfortunate because I think if he was priced at six, then he could be an option being on pens and just being an overall IRL, pretty solid player, like could definitely lay off some passes to his teammates, but they also have just a dirty run of fixtures to start the season. So nobody's going to have a single asset in their side from that team. I think they might struggle this year too, Bournemouth. I think they might be one of the candidates for relegation from what I've seen. Yeah, I mean, both both Bucks and I predicted them to go down last season. So we were proved wrong and, and well done. But they're also have a new coach. They kicked out O'Neill. He's surfing off into the, the sunset. And now we don't know what to expect from them. I want to just say one quick thing on the Cherries. I think they're having the most confusing offseason of any Premier League team. They're not newly promoted. They're getting the cash, the bag of cash from the Premier League TV rights. They're really sitting on their hands. They're not making a lot of new signings. And the fact that they fired Gary O'Neill, who I thought was the best thing that happened to them all of last season and brought in like they didn't go for like a big name from Europe. Just very confusing what the plan is there. And I think maybe the ownership is just looking to get one more money grab, put it in their pockets, and they'd be content dropping back to the Champions League. That's what the vibe is right now in the offseason because they are not they're not spending like they have intents on being a long-term Premier League team. I mean, all of our teams would be happy if they could just drop into the Champions League. I think Bucks yeah. meant the championship there. Big, Did I big say difference. That? Did uh, I say big that? difference. Oh, but... Sorry. I was <laughs> we'll just drinking the Solankiaid, you know. The uh is I'm a big fan of of Big Dom. But I also yep. think Awani is a name that we should have watch list because if you are patient and are able to hold your first wild card. The forest fixtures at game week eight to 18 become like red carpet as opposed to red fixture after red fixture in the FDR. So I think he could be a very popular player to bring in and price down from a player like Gabby Jesus on the first wild card. 
he had a hot streak at the end of last season. He got like 10 goals, one assist, under 1,400 minutes. He, he was really good in that hot streak. So like you said, when their fixtures turn, I think he's one to keep an, an eye on. Okay, and then uh, DCL, anything to mention there? You guys know my thoughts on Everton. I can't be fucked to watch I any mean, Everton. So, forget, uh, forget Dominic Calvert-Lewin. It should be dodgy, cruciate ligament or something like that. The, the guy's <laughs> made of glass. Just, he's going nowhere near my team, I'm telling you. I think it's unfair that Cal Wilson gets this bad rap and Christian Pulisic gets this bad rap, especially from our podcast for being so injury prone, where it is this lad from England, the London lad. This guy is made out of fish and chips. He's he's brittler than uh, than a day old's bread. He's got a great sense of fashion, though. We have to give him that. I don't know if I've he's ever got seen nothing him, uh, on Jack Grealish. His... Fuck this guy. Let's keep moving. <laughs> Let's go to sifting through the muck is what I've titled this section because it's getting really murky at this point in the options that we have for FPL forwards. And this is 5.5 million and below. I think this, this category is starting at the most expensive price, at least in my tenure as an FPL manager. When we look at this price bracket, I'm really concentrating on Fulham and who starts in their attack. Will it be? Vinicius, or do you think we're going to see a lot of minutes from the new signing, your ex-Wolves pedigree? Could he come into the folds? I mean, what what are your thoughts there? Do you Who do you see starting for Fulham? I mean, I, I think if he stays at the club, they'll probably start off with Vinicius. He's probably going to be their starting player, but I, I think Raul Jimenez, there's still a quality player in there somewhere. I have nothing bad to say about him. He got such a terrible injury. He had some issues off the field, but there's definitely a good player in there. And there's an elite penalty taker in there too. So when he's playing, he will take their penalties. I I strongly feel that's the case. So if Raul Jimenez ends up being the starting player for Fulham, he's 5.5 million. I don't see it as a bad shout. I know a lot of people are saying, ah, he's terrible now. He's not the player he used to be. And while that's partly the case, like I said, there's still a good player in there. Ryan, do you remember the bet we made last season? I I don't think I've called called on my winnings yet from our Rao Jimenez uh Chris Wood bet the banger of a bet on the <laughs> FPL Blues podcast. I know I, I backed I backed the Wolverhampton lad and he let me down but unfortunately you were on the wrong side of the Jack Grealish total goals and assists. So we just uh had that as a draw last season. But I'll still buy you a beer next time I see I'll you take I'll be take my beer you. and you can have a cold beer on me. I really like the Vinicius shout. I think he's gonna be game week one starter four percent owned right now. And he's likely to be nailed on at least until Raul Jimenez is up and running at Fulham. Keyword up and running because he's getting up there in age uh, as I continue my streak of ageism here on the podcast. But I think (laughs) Vinicius, 5 million forward, he already has two goals so far in preseason. So when Mitro does officially leave, I think he's going to become the kind of stylistic talisman at Fulham. Now, I don't rate that that's going to be great for Fulham's Premier League chances. But I do think from FPL to have a player priced at $5 million, that could be an every game week starter. That's that's the one of the only gifts we're given in this forward pricing podcast. 
The only way I would have him in my side to start the season is if I was going with Bucks's wonky 4-5-1 with a dead striker, and now you could slot in Vinicius as your, your second striker on the bench. So at least you have a player who could grab you a goal, could grab you a few points for appearances. So that would be the come the to the dark side if you're gonna come if you're to gonna the dark go with side, that, uh, that come on that's um bracket i'm not going to that side that's a terrible formation but i'm just saying if you were to go that way it's worth paying the extra half a million instead of having two completely dead strikers then when holland is rested <laughs> or rotated you get no points you're playing with 10 men so that that is the the only point there to to make if you're looking to spread the funds Anybody else catch your eye? I think some of the new lads that are coming into the Premier League, I'm not really familiar with them. So I'm hoping that somebody can talk to us about the Luton lads and maybe one of their talismanic players. I'll take this. Uh, Carlton Morris is the Luton Town talisman. He's on penalty kicks. He scored 20 goals and added seven assists last season in the championship. He's a far cry away from being a Champions League caliber player, but anyone who can score 20 goals is pretty clinical in front of the net. So I really rate that he could be a good option. Issue is he's 5.5 million. And I think Luton town are specifically a team that are going to struggle to score a lot of goals. And I think that when you look at Vinicius, who's 5 million versus Carlton Morris, who's 5.5 million, I would rather have Vinicius probably 10 out of 10 times. Yeah. I think a few of these players are 0.5 million overpriced. 5.5 doesn't feel right for some of these guys. Um, like I said, Carlton Morris, 5.5. I, I feel like 5 million would be a lot more tempted. The same as Ndai on um, Sheffield United. He got 14 goals, 10 assists in the championship last season. If you talk to Sheffield United fans, he's expected to be the starter if he stays at the club. So he's also an option. But again, I just feel like 5.5 is a weird price to put these guys at. You also have the, the Wolves guys, uh, Mateus Cunha. I know a lot of people don't want Wolves. Their fixtures aren't great. They've had a terrible scoring record lately. But if you are looking to get into their attack, Cunha is a, a good option. I expect him to be a, a starter for them. And when Wolves score in preseason, he tends to be involved. I expect an uptick in his form. It can't get so, worse for Wolves on an attack, right? No. It's got to get a little bit more uh, yeah. in the back of the net this upcoming season, right, Dan? Does it? Does it have to? I'll, I I'll hope take so. the other I mean, side. I mean, Traore's gone. Rui Jimenez, Raul Jimenez is gone. Chiquinha is now gone, a guy that we were gushing however, about on the last podcast. Let me just be the devil's advocate again there. Like, Traore has not gone yet. There's still, a slight, there's still a slight chance that he signs a new contract, but he won't. A player I'm kind of keeping my eye on is Fabio Silva. He's a really top quality player. He's 5.5 million. I fully expected him to leave Wolves, but he has not left yet. He's still there. He's in preseason training in Portugal with him right with them right now. And he's posting on Instagram all of these pictures of him smiling and of saying, Of course it's in Portugal. Back. Sorry to interrupt you again. <laughs> of course it's in Portugal. The Portuguese Wolves. That exactly. is basically their team. I mean, how did they price him at 5.5? Like you said, this price bracket makes no sense. They should have made these guys, you know, 4.5 to 5 so we could have a little bit more fun in our sides. I mean, I, I think so. I hope this I is agree. the last time we talk about a lot of these lads other than perhaps the uh, the boys at Fulham. No, no, no. We want to talk about Wolves players because I want them to be, to be doing well this season. <laughs> yeah, come on, Brian. Like... Don't, don't bury our third <laughs> podcast host. I, I want to just speak on Armando Broja. I'm surprised that he's priced at 5 million and not 4.5. I, 
I wonder if he's going to get minutes. There was rumors that he might be the preferred option over Nicholas Jackson as the kind of out and out number nine to start the season. Clearly in preseason, we are not seeing that. I mean, Nick Jackson is eating every time he gets minutes on the pitch and Broja has kind of been, I don't want to be cruel, but he's been slightly invisible. So I wonder if he's a player who's up to get a move. And I think that if he landed at a club like Wolves, or if he landed somewhere like, dare I say, Bournemouth, he could become instantly FPL relevant. So I really, I think Broja is a name to watch on this list at only 5 million. And then we should just talk about the King 4.5 million striker option right now, Mubama. He's not quite Obama, but the guy is hot, <laughs> hot. And he is delivering all the promises that he's made. He's a yes man from a goal scoring perspective. He's done really well in preseason for West Ham. And there's rumors that he might be able to fight his way into the starting 11. And he's only 4.5 million and 1.4% owned. So if he continues his form and we see that he starts to get some starts, maybe Antonio gets injured. Maybe Skamaka doesn't do well. Maybe they rotate because of Europa. I think Mubama might be a good option. Well, making it even more interesting for Mubama is that Antonio is now getting offers from the Saudi league. It was just reported that he has two pending offers at around 20 million per season. So I think that's really interesting. And I'm not certain of this, but I think Skamaka is yet to be fully fit. So there's a situation where Mubama comes in and he's that guy because he could be in every game week starter, at least until the window closes which is the first three game weeks of the FPL season at 4.5 million. Sign me up if that's the case. Yeah, he's he's my third striker right now. And I don't see that changing unless we get new information. There's there's one player who I've really got my eyes on in this price bracket, and it's Balogun. Oh, now Ooh. there were rumors that he would move to another Premier League club. And since then, it's they've kind of died down and he's been linked with the likes of AC Milan. But if he does get a Premier League move to another club, at 4.5 million, I think he's the one that's going to be a template breaker if that happens. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense to have him on this Arsenal squad, quite frankly. I mean, nah. he's going to be third or fourth choice up front. Like it, it just it's unfortunate because there is a talented player there. He's very young. Obviously, fans of the U.S. men's national team want him to continue his trajectory as a striker and would love to see him go and get a loan out to a different side. Um I mean, yeah, whenever whenever these these US players leave the Premier League, never fun for for the the hosts here. So we'd love to see him stay in the Prem, but go to a, a bottom side and get some minutes. And it's worth pointing out that a lot of our listeners are US fans. So I think a lot of people are going to put Balogun in their team because they're fans of the US men's national team. But we oh, have goodness. to consider that don't don't no. fall into that trap and and use one of your no, precious no. slots. <laughs> That's exactly my point. I think they're going to do that. And we've seen their two percent owned. And I would like to say do not do that because you really want to keep those three spots open for the really good Arsenal players. So That's right. I know you there's, there's maybe some sentimental thoughts there of putting him in, but I would not do it until he moves to another club. I think it's a dream move for him to join. USA C Milan. It's a perfect move. He'll play alongside potentially. Wea, he's going to play alongside Captain America Pulisic. Just have the whole U.S. men's national team doing club training and national team training in Italy at AC Milan. That's kind of a perfect match. 
And I think he'd get real minutes. He was proven a uh, top scorer in the league Un, which is a much lesser league than Serie A. So it's a dream move and a step up the totem pole as he eventually wants to fight for the starting role at Arsenal in a couple of years time. All right. The last player I want to highlight is Eduard over at Crystal Palace. He's been playing quite well in the preseason. He's somebody just to mention 5.5 million bucks. I know that he's been in your side here and there over the last couple of seasons. Never not again. Somebody, Never yeah, not again. Somebody that we highly recommend, but he has shown some uh, prowess in front of goal in the first couple of games of preseason. So again, 5.5 million, just somebody to potentially have on the watch list as we try and pick up the scraps off of the carcass of these uh, these FPL forwards here, and hopefully they'll become more relevant later in the season. All right, I think that wraps up our conversation on the forward options for FPL. Let's just open the forum. Anything interesting from preseason that caught either of your eyes? I, I think Ashley Young starting on the wing as a 4.5 million defender for Everton after making a move to Goodison Park two days earlier. That was one that was really interesting. That guy are you just, serious? Are, are you really talking about Everton again on this pod? I can't get the enough. Guy's, and the then, guy's 48 years old. You're talking about him he's, playing he's younger more than, than Luke Shaw, minutes? Brian. Come on. He's oh, now younger he's than young. Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> and what about, what about Sam Johnstone, goalkeeper for Crystal Palace, starting on the left wing in some of the projected lineups for Crystal Palace? I fucking love that. Straight in my okay. team. This is this is this is gotten out of control. Last season, We're taking so this out. More We're taking this than out. Wolf Zaha. <laughs> I love it. R.I.P. Wolf. No more. No more missed penalties and uh, yellow cards in our FPL sides. Now that he's going to Galatasaray. One thing that's really caught my eye is your team's Chelsea. How just how attacking they were under Pochettino. And I was already strongly considering Chilwell in my team. And now that I've seen them play and I've seen how it forward he gets. And his interview where he said he's being told by Pochettino to really get up the field and into those goal-scoring spots. He's he's gone right off my list in terms of top defenders now. I mean, if I wasn't going to have Trent in my side, I would 100% have to have Chilwell because he's one of the players who could get five goals this season in the defender slot. So if I were not to have Trent, then I would definitely be downgrading, saving that $2.5 million and, and starting with Chilwell, who when healthy is was probably our best striker last season. <laughs> quite frankly let's let's double click on that because you brought up trent that's exactly where i was hoping this conversation got to he's currently eight million highest priced premium defender and in preseason he's playing as a number six deep lying central defensive midfield role is that changing the way that you're thinking about trent brian because i can say with certainty he's not in any of my drafts anymore i've taken him out He's not playing in a position where I think is FPL vacuum for points. And that's really concerning, actually. From what I've seen, Sazbozlai, however you pronounce that guy's name, he's already injured. So I think that Sazbozlai. means even more minutes for Trent as a kind of defensive midfielder. That's not his game. I want him out wide and I want him fizzing in passes for assists. I, I don't see the allure if this continues, what I've seen in preseason. I'm still waiting for the Liverpool squad to get into their more serious preseason matches. And then I'll make a better assessment. But these first couple, I don't want to overreact. Same thing with the Chelsea look like, obviously like they're playing Wrexham, like who gives a fuck? Like that's one of the worst teams you'll ever see play on TV. Um, same thing with, um, you know, 
with overreacting to any preseason, like we want to take some of the data points in and you're definitely right to note those down, but let's, let's let the rest of the preseason play out. And then, um, yeah, we'll be back in touch on the airwaves with some of our updated and close to final drafts. And that'll be coming up here before the preseason ends. And wow, we're going to be inching closer to August 11th. It's like Christmas, really Christmas in the summertime here in the United States. It's more fun than Christmas for me because I don't really celebrate Christmas. This is this is my Christmas, the FPL Xmas. All right, Bucks, get us out of here. Tell the lads and ladies where to find us. Yes. So thank you for listening. These have been our positional preview podcast. This closes our series of three podcasts diving deep into the positional best options for FPL. So if you haven't listened to Midfield Mania or the Clean Sheet Merchants, go back in our timeline. You can find our podcast, the official podcast of hashtag FPLUSA. FPLUSA Press Play is on all of your favorite podcast and audio streaming providers. We're on Spotify, on Apple Music. Please leave us a review at five stars would be great. If you're listening and loving the content you're hearing, follow us on social media at FPLUSA press play you can find me at fpl usa bucks my co-host brian is at fpl usa brian and let's give dan a platform to close out at fpl underscore black wolf what are you cooking up what's going on with you this week in the fpl usa leagues what other podcasts are you cheating on us with what's going on baby <laughs> yeah i again just want to shout out the the leagues we, we're getting a lot of people join now we have Hundreds and hundreds of people from the US Ooh. joining. It's going to be super competitive. So if you would like to join that league, if you're from the USA, please go to at FPL USA leagues and send me a DM on Twitter and I will get you signed up. I will get you in the FPL USA bronze league and you can work your way up the tiers and find if you can get to the elite league, which is where all three of us are currently sat. And I know one of us might get relegated this year. <laughs> That's pretty it's gracious. <laughs> the fact that you're calling all three of us elite is uh, a title and honor. I'm not sure we all deserve, but uh, maybe, what? maybe, maybe just the uh, the Brooklyn-based manager really deserves it, you know. And then to close out, just also want to mention for our global listeners, if you want to get involved with the podcast, you can join our league using the code F R A L E M. Please join us. We'll have a kit going to the overall winner of this podcast league so you can engage with us there as well so i know dan has been doing a great job directing some of our folks and our followers there and we look forward to engaging with you again whether you're in the u.s or you're global we're gonna field a lot of community questions this entire season we're gonna have a big section of that in each of our podcasts where we're going to have some banter and answer some of your key questions each game week. So we encourage you to follow along there and hopefully you'll join our league. Awesome. Let's get out of here. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. The FPL season is almost upon us. First kickoff is Manchester city Burnley on August 11th. This is tinker time. So get in your FPL drafts, download the app and make sure you're listening to the FPL USA press play podcast. We love you. We love doing this for our listeners and just for the fun and the banter around the premier league. It's a great time. So thank you, Brian. Thank you, Dan. Thank you listeners. We look forward to doing this with you all season long.